Section 17 of Woman and the Republic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Lehman, Reseda, California. Woman and the Republic by Helen Johnson. Chapter 9, Part 2. 17 woman suffrage and the church so the woman who spurns the bible as the book that is responsible for woman's degradation who denies that it is the word of god who pours out upon paul the vials of her wrath finds in them both her highest warrant for believing in the equal position of woman the perfect equality of the sexes when the wrath of woman thus praises god the one who believes that through woman's status in the bible and in the christian church this perfect equality is being worked out day by day need not take up controversial cudgels ribaldry in woman seems more gross than in man and this is woman's ribaldry it is profane to speak of the feminine element in the godhead god is a spirit there is no more a feminine than a masculine element in the godhead sex belongs to mortal life and its conditions it begins and ends with this earth christ has told us so there will be in another world no marrying nor giving in marriage but we all shall be as the angels in heaven the equality of which paul spoke as the very soul and essence of Christianity, is the equality of the essence and soul of male and female humanity, and the oneness of the believer's soul with that of the Christ in whom his soul believes. The soul of humanity, as well as its body, is bound by sex conditions as long as it draws the breath of this transitory life every thought and every act reveal the governing power of the sex mold in which its form is cast for this world's uses the use of this world is to give preparation for another and a better one final spiritual triumph is the end to be attained humanity is now in the image of god only in the essential sense in which the full corn in the ear may be said to be wrapped up in its kernel and it can unfold only according to the laws of its being the first account of creation sets forth with the beautiful imagery of the orient the general and ultimate truth the second account with the same grand simplicity foreshadows the method and the long slow process by which this ultimate end is to be attained in continuing their comments the editors say in chapter five verse twenty three adam proclaims the eternal oneness of the happy pair this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh no hint of her subordination how could men admitting these words to be divine revelation ever have preached the subjection of woman next comes the naming of the mother of the race she shall be called woman in the ancient form of the word womb man she was man and more than man because of her maternity 
the assertion of the supremacy of the woman in the marriage relation is contained in chapter five twenty four therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife nothing is said of the headship of man but he is commanded to make her the head of the household the home a rule followed for centuries under the matriarchate a rule that has been followed rudely through all centuries and is followed to-day with far greater approach to perfect obedience maternity was to be god's method of working out the problem of changing the innocence of ignorant savagery to the holiness of enlightened civilization to this end the more delicate and complex organism of the womb man must be cared for by the strength and steadiness that could find full play because that subtler task was not demanded of it in commenting on chapter three which contains the account of the garden of eden and the eating of the apple they say as out of this allegory grow the doctrines of original sin the fall of man and of woman the author of all our woes and the curses on the serpent the woman and the man the darwinian theory of the gradual growth of the race from a lower to a higher type of animal life is more hopeful and encouraging the christian doctrine is more hopeful and encouraging still it reveals the growth of the race from a low type of animal life to the perfect life of the soul we do not need to go back to the garden where our first parents dwelt to look for the substantiation of the eternal truth of this whole wondrous story amid the landscape of the civilization of the noblest country that the world possesses we have the drama repeated in the work of anne hutchinson anne lee francis wright lucretia mott elizabeth stanton susan anthony ellen dietrich lily blake and their fellow commentators we have re-enacted the temptress and the fall woman first aspired she stretched forth her eager hand to seize the good and in so doing snatched the evil that grew beside it the woman in eden had not learned what maternity taught her later that she could point the path but could not lead in entering it wherever woman has forgotten this hard-won but glorious lesson she has been the most dangerous of guides the conscience that intellect of the soul woke first in woman by her obedience to its voice the faith that worketh by love had its perfected work and the promise that was given to her was fulfilled in the birth of christ a creation story without a gospel is chaos without gravitation primal darkness without the sun forward to divinity in human form woman was able through obedience to point mankind backward to divinity in human form she points again until humanity itself shall become divine if she loses the final vision or substitutes her own she can neither point nor guide no wonder woman has been a mystery to the church no wonder a witch was not allowed to live 
while a wizard might she was more dangerous no wonder paul was perplexed by the woman question no wonder monks fled to the desert christ has spoken the final words of woman thy faith has saved thee from the anguish of his cross he said woman behold thy son behold thy mother and the beloved disciple took her to his own home from that hour in the suffrage appeal of eighteen sixty the writers said the difference between husband and wife is as vast as the difference between christ and his church christ himself says that the difference between him and his church is that of degree not of kind and that the resemblance is that of essential oneness he says i am the vine ye are the branches could union be more completely pictured the fruit-bearing branch cannot say to the strength-giving vine i have no need of thee the vine cannot say i have no need of thee man in his imperious folly has pictured the relationship as that of oak and vine which have no organic union but despite imperiousness and folly both men and women through mutual obedience to god have thus far worked out and are still working out the nobler destiny for both in summing up their opinion of the pentateuch the editors of the suffrage woman's bible say this utter contempt for all the decencies of life and all the natural personal rights of women as set forth in these pages should destroy in the minds of women at least all authority to superhuman origin and stamp the pentateuch at least as emanating from the most obscene minds of a barbarous age so low can woman fall in ignorance and shameless audacity when the faith that works by love is lost as the spirit of the commandments comes to prevail the decencies of life and the natural personal rights of woman become more secure here again christ has spoken the ultimate word he says ye have heard by them of old time thou shalt not commit adultery but i say unto you whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart this is the standard of chastity to which mankind must come when the hebrew mother in living faith cast the bread of her own life's being upon the nile she was to find it after many days in the great lawgiver of her people the commandments received through him were the foreshadowing of those greater oracles in which christ summed up the whole duty of man the individual liberty which moses was the first to proclaim to a whole people in the pentateuch christ his antitype proclaimed to a whole world and on his proclamation rests to-day the freedom of woman and of the american republic the bread of life again cast on the troubled waters of this world by woman's faith through mary the virgin mother is returning after many days strange that we should forever turn back 
as if the application of any essential truth were finished the child walks by faith the childhood of the world walked by faith and left in the bible the evidence of things that are not seen but are eternal the suffrage movement has a quarrel with the bible because the creator is there represented for the reverence of the race under the guise of a heavenly father and not a heavenly mother or rather not as a human pair equal in dignity and power if the first impulsion of love toward god had come into this world through the mind of man he would have represented the divine love that his soul conceived under the guise of that being on earth whom he most loved but love was born with the disabilities of woman it was evolved through motherhood and the same impulse that gave it exalted not itself but what it loved and trusted i have gotten a man from the lord said the first recorded mother who had learned to know the lord through motherhood and the boy she bore was taught to look up with confidence to the strength and protection of his father she told him that the pity of his father which made him bring food and raiment and which guarded his home was an image of the feeling that was felt for him by the divine being could man have learned the lesson first we can see that the story would have been different because man has named every beautiful and gracious thing for woman virtue temperance truth purity love faith hope liberty grace beauty charity the inspirers of art and science of music and literature of justice and of religion all are feminine when man says our father which art in heaven he prays as his mother taught him through the self-abnegation that was unconscious of its sacrifice woman was to be the instrument for bringing human life up on to the god who being spirit could act upon a clay-bound mind only through the highest human thing that love could know men as well as women have misunderstood and misinterpreted this the love that is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly cannot proclaim its own virtue to arrogate it is to lose it but the secret of the lord has been with those who feared him and it has led the world aright in spite of blunder and of sin if man in his ignorant conceit has fancied that this was the subjection of woman it has been a part of his mother's lesson to correct that impression if woman in her folly has allowed herself to make the same mistake that too is working out its cure through the love that so arranged human nature that a man should leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they twain should be one flesh and that her desire should be to her husband in those matters wherein the mutual interest required that he should bear sway 
if there is a minister of religion who holds to the perverted notion that because woman ate the original apple in disobedience to god's command she was the bringer of original sin into the world and for that was and is punished by arbitrary subjection to the authority of man that minister does not deserve the support of women the fact that he would have few listeners and fewer followers if women were not the bringers and the maintainers of religious faith is sufficient proof against such an exposition of scripture as a matter of fact while the dogmatism of belief like the dogmatism of unbelief has made assertions that have dishonored both divine and human nature the practical working of formulated faiths of all names has been to approach the standard laid down in the old and the new testament the model of being set by christ is that of a little child except ye become as little children ye shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven the natural characteristics of the child are faith and hope and love the virtues that abide when the virile apostle to the gentiles put away childish things he kept these childlike qualities if woman first attains them in perfection she is superior if man he is superior in the race toward the final goal to be equal in accomplishment it is needful to be equal in obedience the keynote of paul's preaching was obedience the obedience of all human beings to god in christ the obedience of all men and women to lawful civil authority for the sake of christ and the promotion of his kingdom the obedience of men to one another in the churchly offices for the sake of that decency that he loved and enjoined the obedience of the equal wife to the husband who was the external representative of family life with eastern nations the veil was the sign of retirement of domestic life and it was assumed by wives when they were in the street or in a public assembly in heathen and barbarous countries it was also deemed a sign of woman's subjection and inferiority the hebrews were the first people to attain any truly spiritual conceptions and they began to have a commensurately higher idea of the possibilities of woman's nature and work when christian women in their new-found freedom would have thrown aside the veil just as christian men in their new-found reverence for god would have repudiated the heathen wife paul said to them both that christian liberty was individual it changed the character not the sex relations in arranging for church discipline he advised that men should uncover the head and women should wear the veil but he said in reference to that veil that woman should have power on her head because of the angels the angels are spoken of in the new testament as veiling their faces in the very presence of the creator in that truer symbolism of christianity man was to uncover his head in token of reverence to god and acceptance of the responsibility of the guardianship of the earth 
woman was to cover her head in token of her acceptance of man's guardianship and of her dominion over his heart to which she had revealed god's will paul adds for as the woman is of the man so is the man also of the woman but all things are of god this relation was one of the mysteries that paul said he did not comprehend nor could he till the lessons he taught should work out their results and might serve as commentary life itself as well as all that life could come to mean depended upon woman's consenting the word obey in some marriage services seems like what it really is a survival obedience has brought its reward and the consent of the heart is more than the consent of the lips but if there is no consent of the heart to wifehood and motherhood in time there will be no chivalry no progress no final emancipation for the race consenting is also commanding and woman loses her life in order to find it in the fulfillment of her wish it was consent to her own teaching the chivalrous and tender-hearted paul who spoke of women with reverent affection who adopted as his own the mother of rufus was repeating the lesson of every jewish mother from sarah to deborah and from deborah to the women who were last at christ's cross and first beside his tomb deborah who was the judge prophetess and poet but first of all a mother in israel under whom her degenerate people had peace for forty years rebuked barak and said to their humiliation this day shall the lord deliver israel by the hand of a woman from this teaching paul uttered his rebuke to the wayward church at corinth it is a shame for a man to cover his head inasmuch as he is the image and glory of god but the woman is the glory of the man and he added in speaking of the wearing of the veil for this cause ought the woman to have power because of the angels in the epistle to the ephesians paul admonishes the church to be imitators of god as beloved children and walk in love even as christ also loved you and gave himself for you an offering and a sacrifice to god for a sweet-smelling savour again he says therefore as the church is subject unto christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything and as if to make doubly certain that no one should think that such submission implied bondage or inequality he adds husbands love your wives even as christ also loved the church and gave himself for it again he says so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies even as the lord the church adding with almost strained oriental vehemence for we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they twain shall be one flesh the comment most readily suggested is that through this teaching the use of the veil has now no such significance 
the uncovering of the head is a token of respect largely to woman the retention of the bonnet is not dreamed of in connection with woman's relation to man nor does it suggest woman's power in the moral world the obedience through which love constrained a mind that had been bred to forms was free if anybody now holds that woman was intended to glorify god indirectly through man or to serve god by serving man he makes an assumption long discredited and not in accord with the spirit of christ and of paul man is as much the glory of woman as woman is the glory of man and they reveal equally the glory of god in speaking of the proprieties of life paul says does not nature herself teach you if a man have long hair it is a shame to him if a woman have long hair it is a glory to her the badge of womanhood is a glory and the short-haired women and long-haired men of the early suffrage movement transformed the symbols of dignity and honor into those of contempt and disgrace canon law grew up during the middle ages when came the great death grapple in the darkness twixt old systems and the word the wondrous church that rose on the ruins of roman militarism and overthrew norman feudalism gave evidence in its code of the bitterness of the conflict and the rudeness of the time the legal fiction that in acknowledging the oneness of husband and wife yet made the husband that one was a perversion of scripture it has been publicly said by suffragists from the first that the tenets of the church of rome in which canon law had its origin were inimical to woman suffrage and they have further said that those who canonize women and worship the virgin mother should naturally have been friendly to the suffrage idea i suppose no one will deny that the spirit of the roman body is that of a state church i have no more to say in criticism of it as a christian denomination than i have of others but that organization which has held temporal and spiritual power to be coordinate and interdependent in government presents a political phase that has direct bearing on my theme and i make my few comments as a historian the church that inculcates mariolatry would have far more ignorant women to add to our body of voters than any other it has done less for woman's education and general advancement than any other but its claims are not therefore modest the school elections in staten island last year gave an object lesson in regard to its intention to use the suffrage in connecticut the school election presented another evidence of the intense interest felt by the catholic clergy in public school matters in california in the late canvass for woman suffrage that church assisted largely in carrying on the work to secure the amendment while many of its individual members are among the noblest friends that civil and religious freedom have in our country this church by its traditions and by its latest pronunciamentos shows itself as a force that for its own selfish reasons may be reckoned on the side of woman's suffrage in its conflict with woman's progress 
End of section 17. Recording by Christine Lehman, Reseda, California.